welcome to the James River College Podcast. We hope that this episode encourages you in whatever walk of life that you are in. So grab your Bibles, grab your notebooks, and welcome home to James River College. All right, so we're going to get into the material right away. And the reason we did things differently is I wanted you to think in terms of, whoa, this is a bit different. When Jesus taught his disciples and he taught in public, for the most part, he walked around. So that's kind of how rabbis would do things. They would walk and disciples would stand behind them or walk behind them. And as a disciple, you always wanted to be covered with the dust of your rabbi's feet. That's how close you wanted to walk with them. So like you wanted to be in a near position to where as they're walking, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting everything from my rabbi like all over me. I'm getting his teaching. I'm getting his training. I'm getting his life. I'm getting his learning. Everything I can. But when a rabbi wanted to make a point or to get people to really focus in, he would stop and sit down. So whenever in scripture that you find that Jesus stopped and sat down, he's getting ready to talk about something very important. Because literally the whole crowd would be like, oh, he's doing something different. So today as we're at tables, as we've got notes in front of you for filling the blanks and everything, I want you to stop and consider that something is different today because I believe that what we share today will be absolutely invaluable for you. Like you're going to take this to go forward. I believe it's a word not just for the staff. I believe it's a word for you as students and I believe it's a word for your generation. And so I believe you'll take these things and you'll be able to apply the truth to your life and then adjust your life to show it to the world. And so the morning message is titled, Clearing Your Cash. Clearing Your Cash. And most of you, if not all of you, have had a moment where you are working on your computer and you're trying to get something done and then all of a sudden you get that spinning wheel of death in the middle of your screen. If you're an Apple user, it's that spinning rainbow of death. You know, PC users, it's kind of that little uh, what's hourglass looking thing that it just spins and spins and spins and spins. Or maybe you're watching a video on YouTube, one of our Go Bless Someone's Face Off videos, and it's buffering and it just keeps buffering and it keeps buffering. And you're like, man, this is frustrating. And really what's happening in many of those instances is we need to go on and clear our cash because we have so much information stored and potentially bad information stored that it's absolutely paralyzed our computer from doing what we want it to do. You know, it literally cannot perform the simple functions that we're asking it to do. I mean, honestly, haven't you ever looked at your screen or looked at your phone and been like, I'm just wanting to watch a video. You have one job, computer. Show me the video. This is simple. It's easy. I can see I'm connected to the Internet. I can see I have enough bars. I see that it's there. Just do this simple task. But it's so jammed up with other information that it cannot even perform a simple task. And so many times within our own minds, within our own conversations, within our own lives, we find ourselves unable to make simple decisions, have simple conversations, hold simple relationships, or move into simple tasks because we just are jammed up with so much information in our minds. 
in our heads. And we, we get so bogged down that we can't move forward. And there are times in our lives where we need to learn how to clear our own cash to just do a simple project, to just do a simple task. I mean, honestly, have you ever been in one of those moments when you sat down because you're like, I need to study for this test, or I need to study for this quiz, or I need to do my homework, or I need to finish this, and I need to get this done, and you sit down and you stare at it, and you're like, I, I can't even like pick up my pen right now. I can't even type on my computer. Like, I I can't do anything. I'm just sitting and staring. And inside your mind is that little spinning wheel of death <laughs> that's going on because your brain is literally buffering trying to figure out what needs to happen. So when we talk about clearing our cash, we've got to figure out, first of all, who we are. So the question is, who are you? Who are you? And if any of you are Alice in Wonderland friends, it takes me right back to the caterpillar as she walks in and he's like, who are you? I just can't help but think of it. Who are you? Well, you are a product of your environment and programming. So you should see that up on the screen. You're a product of your environment and your programming. See if I can get this cap off. That's good coffee. Intelligentsia from Chicago, very good. You are a product of your environment and programming. So here is a personality equation. You're gonna see it up on the screen. Personality equation. Family plus circumstance plus programming plus time slash repetition equals you. Family plus circumstance plus programming plus time slash repetition equals you. And I know as you're looking at that, okay, I get family, I get circumstances, I get time and repetition, I get me, you know, but what's programming? And that's a great question. We're gonna talk about that here in just a second because I wanna give you an explanation uh, but to kind of give you a story on it uh, and to give you some ways to think about it, if you were to receive a text message from someone in a high level of authority over you that basically just said, so Nathan, Nate, let me, and if this doesn't work, I apologize, but let me, tell me what happens. If you got a text message, right, from Pastor Clint that just says, we need to talk. What immediate emotions just like went through you when I said that? Because I saw you go, oh. He thinks he's in trouble. He thinks he's in trouble. Okay, like what? Automatically, you're starting to think what? Okay, I'm in trouble, but then. What could I be in trouble for? What does he want to talk to me about? You know, and so immediately, do you think it's going to be good or bad? Bad. Now, how many, when I said that to him, I heard reaction from other people as well. How many of you are in that same boat? You get a text message. It could be from your mom or dad. It could be from your boss. It could be from your ministry leader. It could be from your RA. It could be from your boyfriend or girlfriend. It just says, we need to talk. How many of you, being honest, raise your hand real quick, think, oh boy, bad news is coming? Okay, look around. Look around at that. Okay, so Nathan, let me follow this along with you, all right? Have you had conversations with Pastor Clint? Yes. 
Okay. Have you ever had a really, really bad conversation with Pastor Clint? Like bad is permanent? Like as in, I'm not recovering from this. I'm not coming back from this. My life is over. Everything's done. What do I do? No. Are most of your conversations with Pastor Clint good? Yeah. Is Pastor Clint encouraging to you? Absolutely. Does he tell you you do a good job? Yeah. Does he tell you you're a great guy? Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Is Pastor Clint fun? Yes. So the majority of the conversations you have with them are usually good news, moving you forward to help you move forward and all those things. Yet, automatically you get the text and you think, bad news. Bad news. Why... Does Nathan feel that way? Anybody? Circumstances. Very good. Circumstances. And circumstances would come from past experience. This is what we would call programming. Because all of you, even though the majority of conversations that you have with people are relatively positive. As soon as I said, you get the text message, we need to talk, most everyone in here raised their hand and said, this is bad. This is bad, right? Have you ever had a conversation that ended your life? Like you're dead? You can't be dead because you raised your hand. I know there's bad conversations, but how many of you had a conversation that literally, like the morgue came, picked you up, Put a toe tag on. Nobody. Yet, that's what we fear. It's a result of programming. Lori and I did uh, foster care for quite some time, and we had a sibling group that came into our house. And uh, one of the sibling groups was about, I want to say probably eight years old, maybe, maybe, maybe six years old. Lori does a lot better on remembering the exact ages and everything. And so when, like, foster kids come into the house, you know, especially those of the opposite sex, it's not like you're going to, like, give big hugs and stuff. So my first response was like, hey, how are you? And I put up my hand to give a high five. Her first initial response when I put up my hand like that was to do this. What was she afraid that I was going to do? She thought I was going to hit her. Have I ever hit her before? No. No. I've never smacked anyone like that before. She doesn't know that. What was her response a result of? Past experience. Programming. Programming. It's programming. So when we talk about family, you guys like get it. It's like, okay, so we are a product of our family. We're a product of where we come from. We're a product of our circumstances, whether involved in our family. You know, your family may be one of those like nuclear families where you got mom and dad, brother, sister, whatever, and they're all together, right? Or you may be in a single parent home, or you may be someone who has gone through foster care and has been adopted. Maybe you've never known your father. Maybe you've never known your mother. Maybe your family right now is going through a difficult time. And so your family is a part of making up who you are and the circumstances around your family. Maybe you were a wealthy family. Maybe you were in poverty. Maybe you were a family that was somewhere in between. Maybe you were a family that just week to week, you always like were worried about finances or maybe worried about what you had, or maybe you were not in a consistent home as in you didn't know where you were going to be living all the time. That circumstance. Programming are the messages that you hear. We're going to talk more about that. And then time and repetition, the time spent there. So, if you have two babies in the hospital, how many of you have ever seen those shows where they kind of have the big window right there and you see the couple looking through and they see the nursery and all the babies that are laying there? 
If you're standing at that window and you're looking at two babies next to each other, can you tell from the information that you have in front of you which of those babies will be successful and which will live a life of failure? No. You can't. You can't. And the baby has no idea. Nobody has an idea what's going to happen in that baby's life. Why? There's no programming at this point. You know, to further reinforce this idea, I want you to think for a moment and um, consider in your mind someone that you believe to be, like, ultimately successful. Like, when I say, hey, think of someone successful, who comes to your mind? Like, who pops in your mind? You don't have to say it out loud. It's just someone in your mind. It could be a friend. It could be a family member. It could be a parent. It could be a pastor. It could be a celebrity. It could be a scientist. It could be something or other, a businessman, businesswoman, whatever. Like, whatever comes to your mind, like, keep that person over here on the left. Then I want you to consider on the right side, think of someone that you know or someone that you've seen that's an utter failure. Like, their life is full-on failure. And uh, don't tap your friend, nudge your friend. T- like, they're not in this room. If you're in this room, you're a success, right? But, like, keep that in mind. Now, you've got those two in your mind. Is there any way to know which one of those would be a, the baby in the nursery? No. But each of them started that way. You know, both of them would have been babies in the hospital. Both would have been wired with everything they would need to thrive. Both with God-given talents and abilities. So what's the difference between the two of them? Well, it's, it's programming. Programming. Programming is stimulus. Stimulus is messages you receive throughout your life. What you see, touch, taste, smell, and hear. Things like conversations, music, publications, media, written and visual, and life events. So like I said before, family plus circumstances plus program, which is all the stimulus that's coming into your brain, and time and repetition equals you. So here are 10 facts about programming. One, all of us were programmed from birth on, and we end up living out the programs we received. From the mo- Two, from the moment you were born, Everything you heard, everything you thought, and everything you said out loud or to yourself was temporarily recorded in your brain. Three, the messages you received that were repeated frequently were physically and chemically wired into your brain. We refer to those repeated messages as programs. The more often those programs were repeated, the stronger they were wired into your brain. Four, and this is where I think things get crazy. It is estimated that in the first 18 years of your life, which is very fresh for the majority of you in here, if you grew up in a reasonably positive home, as much as 77% of the programs, remember the repetitious things that you hear over and over and over, that you received were negative. Whatever those programs were, many of them are still with you today. 77%. 77% is a big deal. We'll come back to that in a few minutes. Five, the part of the brain that stores the programs you received doesn't know the difference between something that is true 
and something that is false. The brain is designed to act on the strongest programs it receives as though they are true, whether they are true or not. That's crazy. Six, as much as 90% or more of your programs are unconscious and completely hidden from you. Unconscious. Like you don't even know they're going on. You don't even know they're running in the background. Along with your genes and your experiences, you are a result of the programs you received. Number eight, everything you believe, everything you think, everything you say, and everything you do is the result of the programs you received, both from others and from yourself. Nine, your self-talk right now is a replay of the programs you have that are the strongest. And 10, negative self-talk is the combined result of the negative programs you received from others and those you gave to yourself. Most of them are unconscious. So as we're talking through these things with programs, we don't even realize that most of them are there and the effects that they're having on us on a day-to-day -day basis. They're like, you know how you have apps that run in the background that are continuing to track things and continue to store things and then like when you get on uh, Amazon uh, and you start looking for something, it pops up ads along the side that says, hey, I heard you talking about this or hey, I saw you looking at this or hey, you know, I, I saw that you were interested in this and it pops it up, it pops it up and you're like, what in the world? You know, that's crazy. Lori and I were literally in the car the other day having a conversation about something. I don't even remember what it was and I, don't even, I didn't think anything was on or anything. They literally were in the car and when I got home and opened my computer and clicked on Amazon, exactly what we were talking about, an ad popped up for it, which has never popped up on my computer before. I'm like, what in the world is that? There's some kind of programming that's in the background that's taking place that's wanting to give me stimulus to move forward in a certain direction, behavior, or attitude. That's what's going on in your brain 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 and a quarter days a year. You never, ever, ever get a break from the programming that's going on in your brain. Never. Never, and you're only conscious of 10% of it. That's it. So these messages are recorded in your brain. Many brief individual messages store in short-term memory and may fade away. So uh, you might be in a conversation and someone might say something that's, that, that's slightly offensive, you know, but you let it go because it's a friend and that's not the constant conversation that you have, and you go on, and then later on you might even look back and go, I didn't even remember that they had said that. Sometimes someone says something to you that is so impactful that you never forget it. Uh, our daughter Callie had a friend who she swam with. And this friend, the first time she'd ever heard the word B-I-T-C-H, first time she'd ever heard it was from her mom in reference to her. You're such a little, you're such a little, don't be a... Don't, uh, and it's like consistent and constant so that by the time she got to high school, she'd heard it repeated over and over and over. Guess what she believed about herself? That she's a B-I-T-C-H. And she was a sweet girl. Sweet girl. And she would say, I don't mean to be a, I don't know, I'm sorry. Think about that. The first time this little girl ever heard that word in context was used with her. That's a program. That's something that's repeated. That's something over and over. And even if it wasn't repeated over and over, which it was, that would have massive impact. So when she hears the word later on, it continually brings her back. It's a trigger word that brings her back to those moments, to those hurts, to those injuries. So I like it. It brings it all back up again. All back up again. So most of you in this room would have been raised in a relatively positive environment. I'm not saying all of you. I realize that there's a spectrum that goes on here. I get that. 
You know, so I'm not stereotyping, but most of you would have been raised in a relatively positive environment. Yet studies show that even in a positive environment, 77% of all programming you encounter was and is negative. Let, let me give it to you this way. If I was a baseball player and I was hitting 77% like as a batter, I would be the greatest ball player that's ever lived, ever, ever lived. That means I'm batting 770 for those of you who are like stats guys, right? If you bat 300, you're an all-star. Okay, if you bat 330, you're going in the Hall of Fame. 77% of every time I've bat to hit, that's, it's unheard of. Like in the NBA, if you shoot and you have a game and you shoot 77%, you are on fire. Like that's incredible. 77% is not, it's not a bad free throw average. You know, but think about it. So only 23% of the programming that's coming into your mind is positive. Only 23%. So over three-fourths of everything that you hear and see and bring in is negative. Is negative. And I would venture to say last year it was worse. It was worse. Some reason last year it wasn't cool to be positive. I mean... My, my parents would say, hey, you want to be around positive people. You know, we would tell you, surround yourself with positive influences, with positive words of encouragement, with positive affirmations. Surround yourself with those people. And for some reason, whenever you got around someone in 2020 that was like, hey, you know, the sun will come up tomorrow. There's glory around the corner. Good things are ahead of you. They'd be like, ah, you be quiet. Find me someone who's willing to tell me more about the devastation, destruction, and cataclysm that's going on. Right? We talked about that Monday night. And it seemed like negativity became like the new black. Negative is the new cool. Oh, you think everything is just going to hell in a handbasket. You're awesome. So even the 77% would have increased and got worse. So negativity became just part of our culture. It's part of what we do. It's part of what we say. It's part of who we are. But scripture's clear. We are not to conform to the ways of the world. And when we wonder why we do, it's because that much negative influence is coming in. Here's what's crazy. You got to th think about this for a minute because this is super, super valuable and super important. Deep inside the workings of the human brain, deep inside the workings of the human brain, there is no actual truth. Pastor Josh, did you just say that there is no actual truth? No, 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 no. I didn't say that is the truth. I'm saying deep in your brain. So your brain is like a muscle. Okay? It's not like a bicep or a tricep or a quad. It is a muscle in a way. It's part of your body. right? It's a fleshy organ that's in your head and it moves along. But your brain does not, like as an organ, determine what is true and what is false. There's no actual truth to the brain. You convince your brain of that by the programming that you bring in, okay? So there's no actual truth. The part of the brain that stores all of the messages you have received accepts what it is told most often. It then plays back to you the strongest messages it has received. And it plays those messages back to you as truth or fact, whether the messages are actually true or not. Your brain doesn't care if those messages are true or not. The repeated messages you give to your brain will be recorded, wired in, and acted upon. It has no choice. That's the reason why when you get a text message that says, can we talk, you instantly are like, ooh. Because whether it's true or not, you believe that it's going to be bad. 
you believe that it's going to be bad. Like, that's just in there. Like, I was going to give that little girl a high five. She immediately believed that I was going to harm her. Is that true or false? False. Her brain doesn't care. That's its response. That's its programming. That's its consistency. That's all it knows, whether it's true or not. So, like, as you start thinking about why you believe a certain way, why you think a certain way, why you may vote a certain way, why you may line up with a certain belief system or a certain party or those things, you've got to go back to your programming. You've got to think about those things. And you've got to remember that the people around you that you're talking with are also responding to the programming that they have. May make you think a little bit differently about the person that you're talking with. So think of it like this. If you program the navigational computer on an airplane to fly in a particular direction, that's the direction the airplane will fly. Even if it's the wrong direction. If you program the directional computer of your own brain to send your thoughts and your actions in the wrong direction, that is the direction your thoughts and your actions will be programmed to go. Even if it's in the wrong direction. If I want to go to Dallas and I climb onto a plane and I think that it's taking me to Dallas, but the navigational computer says Denver, where's that plane taking me? Denver. That's where it's going. That's the only place it can go. That's the only programming that it has received. That's what it does. It doesn't matter if I have a ticket that says Dallas. It doesn't matter if at the gate the little sign above it says Dallas. It doesn't matter if everyone on the plane wants to get to Dallas. If the navigational computer says Denver, where's the plane going? Denver. Your brains are wired the same way. Why are you always so negative? Your brain's wired that way. We had a student several years ago. Her name is Jackie. It's now Jackie Prophet. Jackie was amazing, 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 right? Jackie was this person. If I stepped into the atrium and she were anywhere in the atrium, I mean, I could be at the top step, like that goes to the kids area. I could be on the top step and she could be just far enough in, like she could see from like the connect center to the top step. It didn't matter how far away. It didn't matter how many people were in the atrium. It was going to be, Pastor Josh, Pastor Josh, hey, hey, what's up, Pastor Josh? I'm so glad to see you. I love you, Pastor Josh. You're awesome. And it wasn't just me. Anybody hit that top step. Jackie's yelling your name. She's going to encourage you. She's going to tell you how awesome you are. She's going to tell you how much you love her. And you might say, Jackie, how can you be so positive? Programming. Programming, programming, programming. Because inevitably the person next to her was like, why do, you, like, why do you have to yell across the atrium like that? Like, seriously, I'm going to stand over here. Please, oh. Why is that person like that? Programming. Programming. That's, that's the difference. That's what it is. Jackie chose the programming that she put into her mind. The other person chose the programming they put into their mind. You know, not all of it, but the most current stuff, yes. So if you take Jackie and you're like, Jackie, I just need you to be down for a little bit. Well, she can't do it. Why? Because her navigational computer is scheduled to go to Denver, whether you want her to go to Dallas or not. Do you know what I'm saying? Right? That was Jackie. That what was there. That's where she was going. And so it's conscious and subconscious. Your brain will be listening whether you're consciously listening or not. So, Pastor Josh, why do you mention that? Because everything that's going on around you is being recorded by your brain. What does that have to do with the music you listen to? 
the music you listen to. Music doesn't impact me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Have you ever had a song come on the radio and you didn't recognize it, but you knew the tune and you knew the lyrics? But where did that come from? Because it was playing in the background somewhere and your brain recorded it and it held on to it, right? And so not only does your brain record it, not only does it hold on to it, but it will actually take the messages of the song, interpret them and file them into your brain and begin to start rewiring your brain according to the messages that are being sent to you consistently. That's why music is a big deal. Social media, I only scroll through it fast. It doesn't matter how fast you scroll through it, doesn't matter. Your brain takes a mental picture of every image, every conversation. It's reading way more than you can imagine. Like even if you're like, oh, I don't even read the comments, I just kind of scroll through. Your brain has seen them, it has taken snapshots of them, it has registered in them, it has put them into your cerebral cortex, and it is there. Whatever the image may be, whatever the message may be, the conversations that go on behind you, the TV shows that play in the background. Well, I just, I just pay attention to the funny parts of the TV show. I don't really pay attention to this and this and this and this. Doesn't matter. It's been recorded, it's been uh, kept, and it's going to be played back to you in Dolby, surround sound, high def, like 1080p, 20k, whatever you want to call it. That's how your brain is going to play it back to you, whether you want it to or not everything so we have to be conscious of it so negative self-talk so i'm gonna move into this so you can understand what it is negative self-talk and you've got several like little uh lines there that you should have in front of you negative self-talk is anything you say anything you think or say that looks at something from a perspective of what won't work instead of what can work Negative self-talk is anything you think or say that over-focuses on your fears instead of your strengths. Negative self-talk is anything you think or say about yourself that repeatedly focuses on faults or flaws instead of positive qualities. It is anything you think or say that causes you to see your world as filled with problems instead of opportunities and positive choices. Anything you think or say that limits you from being or achieving anything that is real and possible. And anything that you think or say that limits your belief in yourself or your future. And I want to read you some examples of negative self-talk. And you might have heard these things in your own mind. You might have heard these out loud. You might have heard someone else say them. This might be something that plays over and over in your mind. So I'm just going to read through them. I'll read through them quickly, right? Nothing ever goes right for me. I just know it won't work. It's going to be one of those days. Why even try? The only luck I ever have is bad luck. I just can't do this. I'm so clumsy. I'm so stupid. I can never remember names. This just isn't one of my days. Everything I eat goes right to my waist. I can never get ahead. I'm no good at math. Life sucks. I'm always tired. I never know what to do. I'm at my wit's end. Yeah, that's easy for you to say. My kids are driving me crazy. If only I were smarter, taller, richer, etc., etc. I can't handle this. It's just no use. I don't have the talent. I'm just not creative. I just wasn't cut out for that. I never have enough money left over at the end of the month. I can never seem to get organized. I already know I won't like it. I never have enough time. I just don't have the patience for that. I'm too shy. 
I never know what to say. I don't have the energy I used to. I never win anything. Nobody likes me. Everything I touch turns out bad. I just can't seem to get anything done. That's impossible. There's just no way. I never get a break. Today is just not my day. If you've ever heard any of those messages, if you replay those messages, or that's your response to some of those things in stimulus, then you are speaking negative self-talk. And I understand negative self-talk because it was something that I struggled with for a long, long time. And you may catch this, you may be like, I don't know what you're talking about there. Like you pull up to a red light and you're like, there's a guy, there's a guy that has a camera on my car and watches for when I get to intersections and goes, oh, watch this, red light for Josh. And then it's like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's do this like Total Hunger Games style, right? He's coming up to an intersection. I'm going to drop an old lady in a Buick in front of him so that when the light turns green, she's not going to put her foot on the gas. And we're going to sit there and watch him get frustrated and furious because he's like, every time, every time I pull up to a stoplight, it's going to be red. And there's going to be an old lady in front of me that's not going to put her foot on the gas. Come on, lady, gas is on the right. Let's go. Why? Why do I always get stuck at a red light? Why does that same guy have a button for trains too? So I'm pulling up to a train. Guess what? It's going to be there. I am a train magnet, right? I pull into a parking lot. Guess where my parking space is? Down the block. Down the block. Why? Because everybody's against me. The world is against me. And here's what I know. I may, I may even have God against me because obviously God has got everything set up and situated in a way that he's just going to make sure that my life stinks. What is that? Well, it's just a little bit of sarcasm. No. That's negative self-talk that comes from negative program from time and repetition of believing that I can't do anything. I can't do anything. I'll never have anything. I'll never be anything. I'm not talented enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I just can't do it. And it's a message I would replay over and over and over and over in my mind. And here's what you need to know, and you have this in your notes. The key to failure is a repetition of belief in failure. The key to failure is a repetition of a belief in failure. Negative self-talk is the repetition of a belief in failure. The opposite is also true. The key to success. The key to success is a repetition of a belief in success. Positive self-talk is the repetition of a belief in success. It's a belief in success. You know, Lori and I, we, we joke back and forth on this a little bit uh, because, you know, she's, she's married to me. I don't know if you knew that. My wife is married to me. Like, that's... And so she listened to me for years do the negative self-talk. Like, she listened to me. I'd say it out loud. I would do things. Like, uh, there's moments when you realize that when your kids say things that you're like, shoot, that's straight from me. You know, so like she texted me and she's like, oh my goodness, I got on the wrong line. I always pick the longest line. Have you ever felt that way? I always pick the longest line. There's always people in front of me. The lady's probably going to go on break. They're going to have to switch out the drawer. They're going to have to take the register tape out and reach. Like it's always me, always me, always me. And so to be funny, I sent back, I was like, no, you're the best at selecting the line where they care about 
valuing individual attention for every customer that comes through. Well, that's a positive spin on it, right? The other way is just like, hey, it's, it's a repetition of negative talk. Like, I always do this. I always end up this way. So as you look at that, key to success is repetition of belief in success. Positive self-talk is the repetition of belief in success. So here's the million-dollar question. What programming are you choosing to put in your brain? What programming are you choosing to put in your brain? Well, Pastor Josh, I can't choose all of it. Oh, 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 no, no. Yes, you can. You are in control of where your mind goes. You are in control of the stimulus that you put into your brain. You are in control of the environment that's around you. Well, I can't, I can't control what my roommate listens to out loud. Have you ever asked? I can't control what they play on the radio. Have you ever shut it off? Well, I can't control what Post Malone decides to sing. Have you chosen another artist? I have no idea why I, why I feel like sex is something that just goes on with anybody and it's not really important, it's not really valuable, that women are less than men and that men can like rule over them and talk, call them whatever they want or women can flaunt or do whatever. Well, then you need to change who you're listening to, and I'm not saying that's all Post Malone, I'm just like, whatever music you're listening to, right? Because when you come up and, and I have the conversation, it's like, well, all men just put women down. No, I don't. And I know a lot of guys in here who don't. I know a lot of guys on our staff, on our church staff, that love the Lord, honor the women that they're around, speak highly of the women they're around, respect the intelligence of the women they're around, respect the gifts, the talents, and abilities that they have, and honor them for it. Don't lump us into what you're listening to. Just because you're programming yourself with it, don't put it on me, because that's exactly what you would say to me if I were to assume something about you. Where do those thoughts even come from? Your stimulus. Your programming. What you're putting in. All men are scum. Did you hear that from me? Did Pastor Justin tell you that? You know? Well, women just think they're better than us. You didn't hear that from us. You didn't hear that from us. You've programmed that in somewhere and you're choosing to listen to something that's giving you those messages and you need to change the message that's coming in. You've got to do it. And the follow-up question to that is, what do I do if I've spent a lifetime of receiving negative programming? Can I change the programming in my brain or am I stuck like this? That's a big question I get a lot. Pastor Josh, am I just stuck like this? Am I just stuck with this sin? Am I just stuck with this thought? Am I just stuck with this self-image of myself? Am I just stuck with this level of intelligence? Am I just stuck with this level of talents? Am I just stuck with this level of leadership? It, am I just stuck? Like, should I try anything or should I just throw in the towel and say it is what it is, I am who I am, and I can't do anything about it? The answer is no. No, the Bible is clear. What's in your mind is not permanent. It's not permanent. But Pastor Josh, you don't understand. I can't change. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the abuse. You don't know the neglect. You don't know the horrible things that I've been around. You don't know my family. You don't know my circumstance. You don't know my program. You don't know the time and the repetition that's gone into making me. I don't know 
all of that, but I do know God, and here's what he says, is anything too difficult for God? Is anything too difficult for God? Yes or no? Okay, you need to say it like you believe it, because if you can't say no with confidence that nothing is too difficult for God, then you'll never go to Philippians 4.13 and believe that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So is anything too difficult for God? Say it again. Is anything too difficult for God? Then you can change everything that's in your mind. Everything through the power of Jesus Christ who renews you daily, daily, daily. But you have to make some choices. You don't get off that easy by just sitting down and going, oh Lord, change my mind. Hey, let's turn the radio back on. Let's flip the TV back on. Let's watch whatever, let's listen to whatever, let's have a conversation about whatever. No, 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 you can't do it. You have to clear your cache. You have to, you've, got to, you've got to go through and start deleting files and deleting files and deleting files. And you do that by deleting media that's coming into your mind, by conversations that are coming into your mind. You may have to draw boundaries around a parent who speaks negatively into you. You may have to draw boundaries around a sibling who speaks negativity into you. You may have to reject a friendship that you've had for a long time that is toxic and is not helpful, but it's a choice that you have to make because you have to be able to look at them and say, listen, I will not allow the programming, the negativity, the filth that comes out of your mouth to continue to form the person that I am because I am a child of God. I am loved with all of his love. I'm a delight of the God of the universe and I'm gonna believe those things and not that I'm trapped. Okay, you are not Forky. I'm trash. That's not you. Pastor Josh, how do you know that? Because God don't make trash. If you are in his image and you are, you're glorious. You're beautiful. You're handsome. You're powerful. You're intelligent. You're talented. God wants you to know that. I want you to know that. Because you are not trash. You are not trash. So quit trying to jump out the window or get in the trash bin. That's not for you. It's not for you. You were chosen, specifically made and designed by God, like Forky was. When children are very young, they live in the moment. In Matthew 18, and I got I to start moving quickly through this. I'm sorry. I got to get through some of this. I just... I get excited about this. In Matthew 18, Jesus has his disciples there complaining about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And so they're going back and forth. And so they're asking, which of us would be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And I love it because Jesus doesn't answer the question. Jesus called a small child over to him and put the child among them. So if I were to call someone out and say, hey, would you come up here? You guys know me well enough. They're like, okay, that's probably all right. You know, but if I was in the middle of teaching and there's all these like religious leaders and all these spiritual people around and everything, I was like, hey, come here and stand in the middle of the circle. You'd be like, really? Like, everyone's going to be looking at me. Everyone's going to be thinking about me. Everyone's going to be whatever. So Jesus does the best thing. He brings a child. Hey, come here, stand in the middle. It's a child. What's the child do? Okay. You want to sing? Sure, I'll sing. What do you want me to sing? You ask me to sing, I'm like, no, 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 not, not going to sing. 
Tell me something. What do you want to know? What do you want to hear? Why? That child, there's no programming at that point that says I could be embarrassed, that I could be injured, that I could be hurt in this place. Why? Because a child is taken where they go and where they're going to be by a parent. The parent does all those things for them, right? But it's over time and repetition of a negative influences around it that eventually gets them to be like, I don't want to step in that circle. You know, hey, Jesus says, come on in here. Sing Jesus Loves Me. I know the song hasn't been written yet, but I'm just going to pop it in your mind and let you know how to do it. And so Jesus loves me, this I know. And the disciples are like, that kid's horrible. <laughs> He'll never have a record contract or sing worship anywhere. But is the child even thinking that? No. The child is reliant on the rabbi who's called him in to do good for him, to speak good over him, to take care of him. So there's no worry. There's no concern. Jesus says, this is how I want you to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says, I want you to be like this. I want you to trust me like this child trusts his parents. I want you to trust me like you trust, like uh, that God is going to take care of you, that I'm going to take care of you, that I'm going to do good things for you, that I have good things for you, that I've set the boundary markers around your life in pleasant pastures, that I'm going to take you by still waters, that I'm going to give you rest, that I'm going to restore your soul. I'm going to do all these things for you. Even if you walk in the valley of the shadow of death, you fear no evil. Why? Because you trust me. This is how I want you to come to the kingdom of heaven. Pastor Josh, that sounds absolutely impossible. Well, I love this because I want to share this with you. It's so, so good. He says, Jesus called a small child over to him and put a child among them. Then he said, I assure you, unless you turn from your sins, sins, what's that? The consistent negative programming that's in your mind over and over and over. And it says, and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So there's an operative word right there. Jesus says, unless you become like a little child. So is he saying, hey, you've got to like turn the clock backwards. You've got to find a time machine. You've got to go back in time, be a little kid again and over. He's like, no, unless you become. How do you become a little child? Like how, how, do, how do I get my mind back to trusting like that? How do I get my mind back to a place like that? That doesn't seem possible. That doesn't seem, uh, Jesus says, become. You know what that means? It's possible. It's possible. Unless you get yourself back to that state of trust, that state of caring about what others think of you, unless you get back there, unless you become like that, the kingdom of heaven is not for you. Because otherwise, you're going to try your own way to get in. And you're going to force people to do it your way and get there your way and get there how you do it and how you think. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And you can get there because he would not have said become that way if it were not possible. So I'm going to move on because if you think about infants, Infants are growing, they're developing. We're made wonderfully in the image of Jesus Christ, and they're, they're just aware of their surroundings. Like, they're, they're aware. They're not thinking about how it affects the future or anything. They're, like, they're just aware of their surroundings, and God is developing that. And so you got to think about this. Even though God made each of us uniquely wonderful in his eyes, our own negative thoughts will condemn us without any warning. Without a conscious awareness of this dynamic, we're all easy targets to have our robust feeling of love hijacked by our own twisted thinking. Without a continual sensory attachment to God so he can protect us, we are easy prey for the onslaught of nasty thoughts from our own cursed thinking and the cursed thinking of others. These cursed negative thoughts are traced back to Adam and Eve eating from the tree of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. They chose to expose themselves to evil and we cannot protect ourselves from our fallen condition. We are direct targets for being severely and repeatedly abused by our own thinking and the degenerative thinking of others. 
We have no clue that God gave us divine protection from such abuse. He made each of us as one of his miracle creations. Thankfully, God designed our brain so he can displace our own dead, dreadful thoughts with his robust, loving thoughts. How? Through sensory attentiveness of our brain. This is what we call sensory focus on God. This is taking our thoughts and directing them towards God, giving them to him. Through sensory focus, we can rewire our brain, literally rewrite the programming that is on our mind. And you're like, how in the world does that work? In the last 20 to 30 years, the scientists have discovered this phenomenon in the brain that's called neuroplasticity. Anyone heard of neuroplasticity? It's a big deal right now. Neuroplasticity says that the way that your brain is shaped changes and molds and moves and shifts from a day-to-day -day basis. The things that you hear over and over, believe over and over, create grooves in your brain, like superhighways that you have down the road. So like uh, Highway 65 connects Springfield and Ozark, and it's like, when they're constantly making it bigger and wider and allowing more to go. Your brain does the same thing with con cons consistent, repetitious stimulus. And here's what's crazy. The brain is designed in such a way that it can actually stop those paths, fill them in, and reroute around so that you don't have to continue to go to the same place, think the same thing, say the same thing, do the same thing over and over and over and over. That's how, God's, that's how God did this, right? If you have programs that are negative and working against you, you can change them, you can rewire them, replace them with different, more positive and more successful programs. Here's what the Bible says about it, Romans 12 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and purpose and perfect. Another, another, um, another version says that God transform you into a new person by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. God, from eternity past, created you with neuroplasticity so that you can be transformed by the renewing of of your mind. You can become like a little child because God has made your brain to become like Christ. You're not stuck. You're not hardwired to a way that you can never, ever, ever change it. No, you can make the changes. We're constantly producing new cells. We're either going to replace them in the way that they've always been or we can change them by changing our thinking, by changing our stimulus, by changing what comes in, by listening to things that are positive, by listening to things that are nurturing, by putting ourselves around people who speak life into us, by listening to messages that would speak life over us, by listening to music that will do that, by watching shows that will do that, by turning off media that would not bring those things in. If you're constantly fearful, think about the stimulus that's around you and think how much of what's coming in is wired to fear and wired to anxiety and wired to depression and wired to those things like how much of it is that how much am I allowing into my mind that's putting me in that way and that's perfect for you to be able to start because if you're going to change these things if you're going to clear your cachet you need to know how and so I'm giving you ABC on how to clear your cachet are you ready oh, sorry cash I was told cachet is not correct it's just what I've always said so you can clear your cash. I can learn to say it right. If I can learn to say it right, you can clear your own cash. With A, B, C. First of all, you have to become aware of your surroundings. Don't 
be a product of your surroundings by saying, I can't control them. No, you are in full control. Become aware of your surroundings. Pay attention to the programming that's coming into your realm of influence. Lord, you have assigned my portion and cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My, all, my body will also rest secure. What is that? That's David speaking to himself in a way that his heart will be glad, that his tongue will rejoice, and that his body will rest secure. Three things that show that your heart is tuned to God. Second of all, believe what your senses communicate. Your senses remind you that God loves you, that God uh, that he is always communicating with you. That he always has good things for you and your future. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts I have toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Think about this. Your senses, your touch, your taste, your smell, your sound. Like all of those things, right? I'm missing, like all those, all those things, right? Why do we have those and then why are there pleasant things? Why do donuts taste good? Anybody? God wanted them to. Pastor Josh, are you serious? Here's the deal. All food could taste like cardboard. All colors could be gray. Physical touch could cause no emotion. And we would still survive yes or no so if we could have life without those things what's the point of colors what's the point of beauty what's the point of physical touch giving us incredible joy and fulfillment what's the point of food tasting good what's the point because every time you taste a strawberry and you're like man this is good you can remember God loves me. Every time you wake up and see the gorgeous sunrise like it was this morning or the incredible sunsets that we get, all those colors are not necessary. They're a signpost from God. They're a personal message. They're a text message. They're a tweet. They're an Instagram post. They're whatever you want to call it from God that says, I love you. Don't ever forget it because I'm going to do this tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day because my love never ends. It's with you forever. It goes on and on and on and on. I love you. Believe what your senses tell you and know that God is constantly telling you that he loves you. God would say, don't tell me what I think about you. I know the thoughts I have for you. I know them. Thoughts to give you a hope in the future. Don't tell me I don't like you. Don't tell me I don't have good things for you. Don't tell me, like, don't tell me how I think. I know how I think. So if I'm going to tell you how I think, you need to listen to how I think. And that's why it says, says the Lord. God loves you. He loves you. And if you want to know even more securely, grab a donut and pop it in your mouth. <laughs> Remind yourself, mm, God loves me. And that's why we get St. George's Donuts, because they are ordained. And then C, and I'll have the team come up, remain constantly 
in the moment. Remain constantly in the moment. The enemy wants to distract you to focus on the past or the future and not be present in the moment. Fear of our future failure and shame from past mishaps paralyze us from living daily in the grace and faith that God has for us. Think about that. Fear of future failure and shame from past mishaps paralyze us from living daily in the grace and faith that God has for us. Therefore, I say to you, take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. This, this is the day the Lord has made. This is. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Listen, this is a moment for you to clear your cash, for you to take stock of the stimulus that comes in. Because if 90% of it is things that you're not aware of, I've just made you aware. I've just made you aware. If any of those things that I said about how you feel about yourself, about what you think about yourself, are things that hit you frequently, your negative programming is coming out. You need to take a moment with the Lord and say, okay, God, what's the negative programming that I'm allowing into my life? And begin to change it. Because as you change it, he will change you. And here's what's crazy. The more you lean towards things that are positive, life-giving, self-affirming, and all of those things, the more you will want them. The more you'll crave them. The more you'll seek for them. And then when negative programming comes across your mind, it'll be like, oh, oh. That's, I mean, it'd be like looking at a cup and thinking if it's water or vinegar and taking a sip of vinegar and you're like, no, 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 no. That's vinegar. Give me the water. But you have to flip the script on your brain. You have to clear your cash because right now your brain is craving the vinegar, which is not good for you, and rejecting the water, which is what you need to live. The enemy has been working to do this for millennia. Millennia. God has given you everything within you for life, love, and happiness. And you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind every day. And you need to know this is what we want for you. It's what we want for you. It's what we want for you. We want for your families. We want for your ministries, for your relationships, for everything. Like, we want this for you more than anything. So right now, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want, to, I want you to say to the Lord, God... I am now responsible for what I've heard. And I'm also response-able. I'm able to respond positively to what I heard. I'm able to take control of the stimulus that comes into my mind. And I'm able to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, renew my mind daily by the things that I choose to go into my mind. So just take a moment of silence before the Lord. We're going to sing a song of worship, and then we'll dismiss. But you spend some time with the Lord right now. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Now apply what you have learned and go out and bless someone's face off.